On today's podcast, from the North Wahala Church of God, Navigator Sunday School class teacher Denise Godwin presents a message entitled, Trust in the Lord. Today's message is from Wednesday evening, April 4th, 2018. Now here's your speaker, Denise Godwin. Let's just begin in prayer. Lord, we just love you and we thank you and we praise you. We magnify you. We glorify your name, Lord. What an honor, Father, to come into your house and lift up your name and give you praise and glory and honor. For God, it is your presence that refreshes us and renews us. And Lord, we're in need of you tonight. We're in need, God, of your presence to sweep over this place, God, and refresh us and renew us, God. God, helping us do the things that you called us to do. Father, I'm very aware that it's Wednesday night uh, and people have worked and we're tired in our bodies. Uh, I'm very aware of that, God. So I pray, God, that you would give each and every one here tonight, God, a handful on purpose, God, and bless them and strengthen them and renew and revive them in this place tonight. Uh, I bless you and praise you and I give you glory and thank you for this time that we have together. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, you may be seated. Um, just such a privilege to stand before you tonight, but I'll have to confess this. Have you ever been a fill-in? You ever been a fill-in? Well, guess what? I'm not just a fill-in. I'm a fill-in for the fill-in, okay? So I'm just kind of on down the totem pole there. And so I'm just going to bring to you what I believe that has been on my heart lately and I pray that you'll grab something for, from it. I, I pray, really, that maybe not even the words I say, but maybe something that I do say will stir up something within you that the Lord is dealing with you about and will minister to you tonight through what I have to share. So um, let's go straight on into the Word and, and just see what it has to say for us. Uh, I know that if you've been in my Sunday school class lately, you've heard me teach on the subject of trust. And tonight I want to share just a little bit more about trust with you. And I just don't want to tell you to trust in God and everything will be all right. Just trust in God and, you know, don't worry about anything. Everything will be okay. And even though there's truth in that statement, trust in God and it'll work out. I want us to understand that while we're trusting, there is something we need to be doing as well. And so we're going to look at that a little bit deeper tonight. So I know there are times, and sometimes we trust God for things, uh, and we have been trusting Him for years. How many of you have been trusting God for some years for some things? You just trust in Him for some things, and you're like, what in the world is going on? And sometimes we can get weary and frustrated in just the trusting period. But I promise you, if we'll continue to trust and do as what the Word of God says or what we're going to study tonight, God's going to come through. I'm reminded uh, of, of our sister, Joyce McCall, who's going on to be with the Lord. And she trusted in Him for years to see her husband saved. And guess what happened? He was saved. It's just an encouragement for us. So we're going to look at about trusting tonight. Want to go to Proverbs chapter 3, 5 through 6. And we can all say this by heart. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. Trust. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. And I know everybody knows what trust means, right? To trust. When you trust someone, 
It's reliance on the integrity, the strength, ability, or surety of another person or thing. When we have confidence in the one that we're putting our trust in, we're confident in him. We have confident expectation of something or we're hoping. Trust. Trust in the scripture said, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Now, if I had a child up here standing on the podium and their dad was standing down there, they would immediately jump into his arms, right? With no fear whatsoever, because they trust that he's gonna catch them, right? It's a trust that we have as a child does for his father, that he's going to catch him and he's not going to fall. But I want you to remind you of Matthew 18 tonight, verse 2, when it says, Then Jesus called a little child to him, set him in the midst of them and said, Surely I say to you, unless you are converted and become as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. It's the childlike trust that we can see that a child has in the father's arms of just jumping out, knowing that he's going to catch catch them and not letting him fall. And you and I tonight have to have that same kind of childlike trust in our heavenly father that whenever we ask him, we go before him about something, knowing that he's working all things for our good and we can trust him with whatever is going on in our life. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. There's a problem though with our trust of our trust. I believe we really have to be careful that we don't allow our experience with people, our human beings, how we see people, the trust that we have in them, as we maybe have trusted a friend or a mom or dad or husband or wife, and we've trusted them and yet they have failed us and let us down. And what we do sometimes is we're relating how they responded to us, how our Heavenly Father will respond to us. And that's marred because that's not how God is. The Word says uh, that God is not a man that he should lie. I'm gonna tell you, we can trust God at another level than we can human beings. Right? How many of you have ever trusted in somebody and they've let you down? Well, sometimes we've just had life, a whole lot of life happen, and we trust in people, and they let us down. Well, I've come to encourage you tonight that you can trust in God, and he will not let you down. Yes, there are moments. There are things that happen, and you say, God, what in the world? I trusted you. But we have to understand that God loves us, an unconditional love, and he sees the big picture of things. And we can trust him knowing that he's working it out for us. But sometimes we grow weary, and we're disappointed because we're human and we must renew that trust in the Lord because he is for us and not against us. We have to stop humanizing God's ability. God moves in the miraculous realm. He he moves in the miraculous realm. You and I cannot move. We're not there, but God Almighty moves in the miraculous realm for us. It does not matter what the bank has told you. It does not matter what the doctor has told you or maybe something on your job has said. When you have put your trust in God, he works in the miraculous realm. And what man has said cannot happen or will not happen, our God can turn things around because he works in the impossibilities That's where our God works. 
And see, we're gonna have to stop humanizing our trust in God. We just put him in this box and we say, well, if he didn't move, then that's it. If he didn't work it out, then it's not going to work out. But as I've told my Sunday school class many times, when I go to work out a problem within myself, and believe me, I try to work them out for God sometimes, and he has to slap my hand. And I give him plan A, B, and C, and I say, this is the way, the only way I can see that it works out. But we cannot not put the next one in play, A, B, C, and then there's God. There's God's plan. We have to know that God works things out for our good. And so I want to, just for a few minutes, share some statements about trust. I want to say some statements about trust and and look at them just a little bit closer. Number one, there is no worry in trust. Uh Uh-oh. Can I say uh uh-oh? There is no worry in trust. And if I were to ask for you to raise your hands to see how many worry warts are sitting in this congregation, uh uh-oh, I didn't even ask, and I've got one already raised in their hand. We worry, don't we? We worry. But there is no worry in trust. Get this statement. When we worry about anything, we're not committed, we have not committed it to God. You hear that? When we begin to worry about things that we prayed about and said, God, if you'll handle that for us, and then we worry about it, we've really not committed it to God, right? I give the example a lot of times for Charles, knucklehead as Tommy Wade calls him. If I ask him to go do something and I hand him something and just to go pay the water bill or whatever, I say, honey, will you go? I don't worry that he's not going to pay the water bill. He's going to go by and he's going to pay that water bill because he knows on the 15th or either 20th or whenever they'll cut, they will cut the water off and he's going to have to live with me because he forgot to go by and pay the water bill. But I can trust him to do that. And if I can trust him to take care of that simple thing, How much more should I trust the Heavenly Father that who loves me unconditionally is working all things out for my good? Trust in the Lord. So there's no worry in trust. Um, Worry. What does worry really do? It depresses us, right? Worry brings depression. It brings discouragement. And it weakens us. It's like a cancer, isn't it? Worry. We don't need to worry, we need to trust. We defined trust earlier, so I wanna tell you what it does not mean. We know what trust does mean, but I just wanna share what trust does not mean. It does not mean carelessness and indifference. Just to say, ah, just let it all go, I guess. uh, Whatever comes out, it'll come out, it'll be all right. That's not trusting. Just going on with the flow, whatever happens, happens. That's not trusting. Neglect is not trust. Neglect is not trust. And I don't think I need to break it down for you to understand. Neglect is not trust. You and I have a responsibility. And we're to do our part, but we're to trust God to do His. And He always comes through. Trust is something positive. It is a defined attitude of soul and mind A realization, get this, I know I'm reading this sentence, but I want you to hear it. A realization of our own need and of God's sufficiency. Of God's, we know what our needs needs are. 
but we must understand what God's sufficiency is for us. It is the reaching out and anchoring of ourselves in God. I believe you and I realize our need, but where I think our problem is, is we're not understanding God's sufficiency. We're not understanding all that God can do and will do if we will trust him. I want to go to Hebrews 11:3. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things were seen, which are seen were not made of things which are visible. Do you understand that our God spoke it and it happened? He spoke creation. He spoke it. Don't you remember that he parted the Red Sea for the children of Israel? And we could go all through the Old Testament of all things that God did for them. I want you to understand that he's the same God that will do it for us as well. He is there, he's almighty, and God is not dead. He still is working in our lives, and he loves us. It's so easy for us to say, God will do it for them, but will he do it for me? I think we've all been there. Say, I know God's working in there, but I'm just not so sure that he'll do it for me. Because you and I haven't wrapped our minds around God and his divine love, purpose, and love for our lives. We wonder if God will do it for us. I want to go to Jeremiah 31, 3. It says, the Lord has appeared of old to me, saying, yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn you. And that's the Old Testament. We can go through the Old Testament and, and see about God's love for, for us and everything. But I want to go ahead to the New Testament. I just want to go to a scripture. And when I say it, you're going to say that that's children's church scripture. But it's not. It's for me and you today. The reason that we do not trust God is we don't understand his love for us. I want to remind you of John 3, 16, and we can all say it by heart. And it says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. If we could just get our minds wrapped around that, that God has great things for us, that he loves us. He just does not love uh, Tommy Wade, and he just does not love our pastor, and he just does not, does not love Tony and Debbie. He loves us all. He loves us all, and he has great things for us, and he's, he's not doing things to hurt us. He's got a great plan for our lives. Uh, we, need, uh, to help, uh, we need to understand that, and I want to go to Romans 8, Verse 38 through 39, it says this, For I am persuaded that neither death nor light, life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our love. This type of love should anchor us in our God. He loves us. In your mind, can you just think that right now? God loves me. God loves, God really loves me. God really loves me. I don't have this in my notes, but it just came to me that I remember the first time that I really kind of got that. 
I was in a, I was at college and in a Bible class, and I remember that. And I remember the teacher saying, God loves you. And I was like, yeah, yeah, God loves me. And of course, God had to do a lot of stuff of healing in my life, but just to understand that he really loves us. It's not a child little plaything, but yet it is. God loves us. God really loves us. We know that we can trust God that loved us and loves us this much because there is no worry in trust. I'm going to skip on down to another one point I want to make. There is no fear in trust. There's no fear in trust. Now, we're ruled by fear these days, right? We have a phobia for everything. Everything, there, there's a phobia for it, right? Fear of heights, fear of water, fear of this, fear, fear of a light bulb. If I look at it too much, it might damage our retina. When I get 100 years old, I might be blind. I mean, it has gone to the extreme of our phobias. Now, I want you to understand that there is no fear in trust. The two are opposite. There is no fear in trust. If we fear, we're really not fully trusting we're not fully trusting if we fear, right? What does fear do? Fear torments us, right? How many of you have ever wrung your hands in fear? Just fearful. Yes, you just wring your hands in fear. And then we have to go back to our place of prayer. Let the Holy Spirit touch us and God confirm us that he's got this. That's just the way it works. It, it does. We're human, and we, these emotions and these things are going to come. And don't ever tell anybody tell you, oh, they don't ever get mad. They don't ever get angry. They never get discouraged. They never fear. <sighs> Excuse me. Yes, you do. You're, you've got emotions, and God made us that way. But we can, we can have control of those emotions. They don't have to rule us. We can rule them. So there is no fear in trust. 1 John chapter 4, verse 18, and I'm going to read this one out of the Amplified Version because I really like the way it says. It says, there is no fear in love. Dread does not exist. Anybody experience dread? Oh, just hate that thing. There is no fear in love, but perfect, complete, full-grown love drives out fear because fear involves the expectation of divine punishment. So the one who is afraid of God's judgment, judgment is not perfect in love. And that means that he has not grown into a sufficient understanding of God's love. So where are we? Are we fearing every day? And if we are, we have to check our growth life. Are we growing in him every day? There is no fear in love or trust. Fear robs you of peace, but trust is God's cure for fear. We'll look at number three. Trust takes away the anxiety. Trust takes away the anxiety. Anybody ever been anxious? Anybody ever been anxious? Yeah. It's almost, to me, almost like a daily basis here. Just anxious, anxious about something. 
but trust takes away the anxiety. What is the opposite of anxiety? What do you think exactly? Peace, peace. Philippians 4, verse 6 and 7, it says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known, made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and mind through Christ Jesus. Has anybody ever experienced the peace that passes all understanding? Anybody? Anybody ever had that? I mean, the world looks at you and you should be falling apart, right? But you, you're not because you've been in the presence of God Almighty and he somehow has swept over you and has given you the ability to deal with craziness. He's given you the ability to deal with horrible situations and you still have a right mind. That's the peace of God. That's the peace of God that passes all understanding. I have experienced it. And thank God he comes through for us when we need him and he gives us his peace. In trust, there is peace, the peace of God which passes all understanding. There is calmness in the soul of the one who trusts in God Almighty. Calmness of a soul. We're able to cast our cares on God. And y'all know I'm going to 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5 through 7. When we're trusting God, we're able to cast our care I want to start reading verse 5. Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your old elders. Yes, and all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. I read all of that because we just don't cast our care. What we have done is we have submitted ourselves. We have humbled ourselves in the presence of the Almighty God. And when we're there, and I have to say in our prayer closet, there he gives us the ability to cast it on him because he's greater than anything that comes into our lives and he can handle it and he can handle it. Cast your care upon him. Whenever I hear of cast your care upon him, of course, uh, I love to fish, and it's got it's about fishing season right now. The brim are about on bed, on the bed. Dogwoods are blooming. That means it's time to go fishing, and so I know what it means to cast. When and this scripture always reminds me of casting a rod and reel, and I take that rod and reel and I cast that line out. It hits the water. You know what? We get confused on the scripture because we think it means cast and real. It just does it. It means cast. Because see, when I go fishing, I cast it and then I reel it back in. And I cast it and I reel it back. But the scripture doesn't say anything about reeling it back in. It just says, cast your care on the Lord for he cares for you. We were in discussion in our Sunday school class about this verse of casting your care. And Stacy Wigginson brought up, he said, she said once, once you cast it out, I was given the example of the rod and reel, and you begin to reel it back in, you liable to reel in a whole lot of junk. You can do. You can reel in a whole lot of junk with you. You cast your care on the Lord and you need to leave it there. To leave it there. I don't know about you, but sometimes... I have cast my care 
at night as I lay down and I'm thinking of things and I begin to pray and say, okay, God, you can handle that. And then in the morning, I'm good. I have peace with God. And then in the morning, I seem to want to take it back up. Anybody there? And I have to remind myself that that's not what God's told me to do. He's told me to cast my care and to leave it on him for he cares for you. Cares. He loves you. He's got good things in store for you. Trust brings confidence. Trust brings confidence. It permits us to see God in his true character. How many of you want to know God in a more intimate way? Everybody in here says that. There's not anybody who doesn't want to know God in here. I believe you're all, honey, you paid a price to get here on a Wednesday night, right? We want to know God more in a more intimate way. And if we really want to know him more and God's character, we must trust him with everything within us. And Paul says it this, says it this way in Philippians 3.10. He says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. And we could stay on that scripture for hours, but if you want to know him, spend time with him, trust him, he's there for you. Paul was also confident, and let's go to Philippians 1, 6, being confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Did you hear that? Has God ever spoken anything into you? He's spoken and said, you're going to do this, and I want you to do this. So, well, if God has spoken into you, you can trust that. You can trust Almighty God to bring it to pass in your life because he cares for you, and he loves you, and he's got great thing, things in plan for you. Well, what I have found out that in my trusting time, I have grown weary in that trusting time, frustrated in that trusting time, and sometimes I just, I say, God, really, God? I have done, and I begin to name all the things out to God that I have done like he doesn't already know. But I think I'm just trying to make myself feel better. One thing I found out, God's timing is not our timing. Because, see, God has the big picture in mind. And if he would release some of us at some times to go and do what is in our minds and hearts that he's placed there, we would mess it all up because we're not ready yet. We can't handle the thing that yet God has called us to do. And so we're in that trusting period with him because he's doing something in our life. But I want to remind you, in trusting Sometimes we have forgotten what the other part of Psalms 37, 3 says. It says, trust in God and do good. So as we're trusting in the Lord, we must do good as well. There are times that we get so caught up in ourselves that we forget to be good to other people, right? We do. Galatians 6.10 says, So then, while we have the opportunity, let us do good to all people, not only being helpful, but also doing that which promotes their spiritual well-being and especially be a blessing to those of the household of faith, uh, born-again believers. When we get so absorbed by self, uh, and we're not good for anyone else. The testimonies of the saints of God 
has been so many times I've heard it. When I have helped someone else, God showed up and met my own need. When I forgot about me, I had laid it before the Lord, what I needed, but I went and done something good for somebody else and made something good happen for them. God, in return, bless me. We need to be about being good to others as well. There is no feeling of bitterness when things do not go as we think they should if we're trusting. Really? Wait a minute. I must check myself. Let me reread that. There is no feeling of bitterness when things do not go as we think they should if we are trusting. You ever been bitter? See, I hear, I see this, I see this shaking out here, but nobody's brave enough to do this, but I am. I've been bitter. I've been bitter. You say, how in the world can this be true when you and I understand that God has a good plan for us, Jeremiah 29, 11, when he has good plans for us, not to harm us, but to bring a good into our life. When we begin to understand that he sees the big picture of life and that he loves us unconditional, when things do not go our way as we planned, when we're trusting him, we won't grow bitter. We'll say, yes, God, it's not the time yet, but I trust that you see it all, and he does, and he has good things in store for us. I want to go to Romans 8, 28, and it says this, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. I alluded to Jeremiah 29, 11. It's for us as well. For I know the thoughts and plans I have towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. And I like this scripture, Luke 12, 32. Do not fear, little flock, for it is the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. It's the Father's good pleasure. It's the Father who loves us unconditionally. It's good pleasure. Well, why am I experiencing all of this? I'm trusting God. I'm trusting God. Why am I experiencing all of this? Because he's doing something deeper inside of you that you don't quite understand. We got some rough edges that he has to sand down. God is working in our life. Don't give up. Press on in. Be, do good to others. God will bless you. Just two more quickly here. Trust implies submission and obedience. Trust implies submission and obedience. And some of us are going, oh my. Because those two words right there can cause rebellion to jump up in our life so quickly. Submit and obey. You got to be kidding me, baby. Absolutely not. I'm going to do what? No, honey. I'm not submitting. I'm not obeying. Really? Really? But trust does imply submission and obedience. Uh, there's an old hymn. I grew up in a church that we didn't have these conventional song books like we have here or the special music. We had red back hymnals. That's what I grew up on. And there's a song that says, Trust and Obey. Does anybody here know that song? Anybody? So, see there, Charles? Charles, he did grow up on, in hymns too, but not quite as deep as mine. <laughs> Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. 
It's not an ugly word, trust. It's not an ugly word, submission. Obedience is not an ugly word. There's so much protection in that. The world wants to tell us it's not. But God has a hedge of protection that'll be around his people. Trust, obey, submit ourselves to the Lord. Don't let rebellion rise up in us. Submit to those things. And you know what I have found out? When I have gotten to a greater understanding of how much God loves me and cares for me, and I know he sees the big picture and I trust him, it's not all that difficult to begin to try to submit and obey him. Because there's something happens inside of us when we do submit and obey the Lord. There's a satisfaction in there, a satisfaction between you and God, knowing, Lord, I've done this. You asked me, I did not feel like doing it. I did not want to do it, but I heard your voice and I'm going to do it anyway. And there comes a blessing from the Lord that nobody else will understand, but you'll know. You'll know laying on my bed one night and Holy Spirit spoke to me and believe me y'all know me you know I'm rough to live with sometimes aren't I honey I know y'all just think I'm just sweet and all that kind of stuff but there are times that I can be rough so no pins pinned on this one at all I have to submit to the Lord and he has to continue to remind me of who I am and who he is. But I was laying on my bed one night and the Holy Spirit spoke to me and he said, because you have done this, and I won't even tell you what it is. He said, because you have done this, I'm going to do this. And I said, really, God? Because of your obedience of submission to me, I'm going to do this for you. Now see, and there's been some years that have gone by since he said that to me, but because I know his voice and I know he spoke it to me, I trust that he's bring it to pass. I don't care what happens. Never, when the word of the Lord comes and you know it's him, you hang on to it because it's coming to pass. Nothing can stop it. God will bring it to pass if he has spoken it into your life. Trust him. Trust him, and he will do something miraculous in our life. And the last one is this. Trusting is active. Trusting is active. We trust God. We lay it down to him, and we trust him with whatever it is, and then we go on about doing good. We go on about our business of taking care of others, of helping someone else get ahead. Whatever it is that you're into, you go ahead. You lay your need at the altar and say, God, I trust you with that. And you begin to help others. And don't, don't, please don't neglect your part of being faithful to God. I'm just going to pray and ask God to do this and lay it here. And when he does it, then I'm going to start praying again. No, that's not it. We have a responsibility that we have to do as well. And so I want to end with Psalms 37. And I wish I had time to read the whole thing because it's good. But I've picked a certain verses out. And I want to share those with you tonight. When you have time, you read those yourself. But I want to go to Psalms 37, 1 through 5, and then I'll be skipping around. 
And it says, do not fret because of evildoers, nor be envious of the workers of iniquity, for they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as a green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourself also in the Lord and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him and he shall bring it to pass. Now that's good stuff. Skip to verse 7, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who, who brings wicked schemes to pass. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret. It only causes harm. Now, our part, y'all, our part is doing all these things that he's telling us to do, right? And trust. I want to continue to go. Verse 23, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. When you wrap your arms around this God that loves you so much and know and understand that he holds you by your hand, he holds you by your, your hand. And the one thing that I give an example about Charles so much because he's, he's bigger than I am. He's much bigger th than me, and I can get behind him, and you can't see him. I don't mind walking in a dark alley with Charles because he's got my back. Nobody's going to bother me with him. He looks like a woolly booger to start with, and nobody's, and he's big. You know what I'm saying? And nobody's going to harm me because he, but I want you to understand that our God is much bigger than Charles. He's more awesome, more powerful. Charles is limited in his ability for the protection for me, but not my God. Amen. Get a hold of that in our brains and understand that this is the God who loves us. This is the God who saved us and has great things in store for us. Trust him. Skip down to verse 27. Depart from evil. All right, that's our part. Depart from evil and do good and dwell forevermore. Verse 39. But the salvation of the righteous is from the Lord. He is their strength and in, time, in the time of trouble. And the Lord shall help them. You ever needed help? You ever needed help? The word says the Lord will help us, right? And he's an ever-present help in time of what? He just shows up when he's needed, right? He shows up. And the Lord shall help them and deliver them. He shall deliver them from the wicked and save them. And this is the last line. Because they trust in him. They trust in him. We have to God-size. We've got to quit humanizing our God. And we've got to see him for God Almighty. And he can handle what is in our lives. And maybe God has spoken something to you about something he's calling you into that's going to take you out of your comfort zone. And he's asking you to simply step out. If God is speaking to you about stepping out, you step out because he's got you. He has you. And then there may be some tonight that have been trusting God for things that only you and God know about. And it's been years and you've grown weary Tonight's the night I want to encourage you to hang on. You do good and you see God show up. He will meet your need. He will. Father, we just bless you tonight. 
We thank you for your word that's so alive and powerful. I know, God, that you're the God who loves us and cares for us. And we can trust you with everything that we come encounter with in this life. For you're the God who sees and you're the God who knows. You see in the darkness and you bring your light to it. And Lord, tonight I, I pray over each one of the folks here tonight that you'll minister to their needs, that you will encourage them and refresh them, letting them know that you love them, you care for them, and they can trust you. Mom, dad, a husband, or wife may have disappointed, but you're not the God who disappoints, for you're the God who has great plans for us. And I pray that you will minister to each one God here tonight and bless them and help them on their journey with you, Lord. Lord, we just bless you and thank you for your goodness. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name I pray. All right. I appreciate so much, y'all listening to the fill-in of the fill-in tonight. And so, I bless you. Does anybody have any announcements or anything before we dismiss? Nothing? We're good? All right. If that's it, Charles, will you dismiss us in prayer tonight? <laughs>